Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. Here to Second Peter, just a minute. Second Peter, I want to talk to you today about healing, and I'm going to talk to you about laying on the hands, particularly. Yes. I want to talk to you about the general thing of it that every believer could lay hands on the sick. Yes, you're right. You don't have to feel anything. Yes. In fact, when Jesus said that, Mark 16, there's no there's no anointing in that <coughs> that I can tell would be transferred. It's just a touch to make you release your faith at some point in time. See, sometimes people don't get healed because they've been prayed for 55 times, but they've never released their faith. Listen to me carefully. You can learn something. Don't matter how much faith I have right now. It matters, but I mean in the context of where I'm putting it, it matters about your faith to receive of me. And if you can't receive of me, then don't get up here. There would be no sense in that. Same for Jesus. You wouldn't got anything from him. I'm going to show you that in just a minute. He preached for a couple of blind boys one time and said, do you believe I'm able to do this? Right. And they said, well, I really don't know. No, they didn't say that. They said, yes, Lord. Yes. They put in a position not, not of, not of um, idol worship, but in reverence that he had authority, they understood. Yes. And yes, I believe you can do it. Yes. That's the way you need to be when you, if you're going to receive from any minister. Yes. Yes. Isn't that right? And then he yes. said, according to your faith. Jesus didn't have any glitches. Yes. True. You know, even us at our best, and I'm talking about a ministry right now for a second, but you have to have faith to receive with that ministry. Some people get a lot more from me than others. Some don't get anything. Right. And some eventually go backwards, not because I prayed for them, but because they didn't ever learn to receive, first of all, from me or anybody else, and then they just drift away. Right. You know, we need each other. How many know what I'm saying? You have your place in the body, I have my place in the body. I haven't got time to tell you all about it, but I have a ministry of laying on the hands. Yes. It's different than just lay hands on somebody in the name of Jesus right. and say, be healed. You could do that, and that's where I started. Right. And 44 years later, I finally figured out a little bit of it. Right. It took me a long time. Dr. Dufresne got in my life. He was the biggest asset that I had ever had yes. next to the Holy Ghost. Yes. That's saying something. There's a lot of great preachers, but none of them had what he had for me. See, that's why God put me with him. I was a prophet, and he was setting me under a prophet to be mentored. Yes. And I am not teaching about the prophet's ministry. It's too entailed today and too laborious to go into all the details of that. But I'm just telling you, according to your faith, God moves. Not according to my faith. According to my faith, he moves in my life. But according to your faith, he moves in your life. And even when you put somebody in your life like myself or Pastor Jordan... You need to receive from him by faith too. Whatever his mantle is in that mantle. Am I lost here or are you still with me? Whatever your anointing is on you, that's what you flow in. If you're smart, you don't try to be everything to everybody. (laughs) I just, I like staying where I'm at. I mean, don't not stay geographically because I'm called to the body of Christ. And if I stayed here, I'd be dead in a couple years because I'd be disobedient. Doesn't matter about my age, just quit thinking about that. Right. It's about what's in me. Yes, it is for the body of Christ. I gotta pull this in, rein it in a little bit. Okay. So you only get from whoever according to your faith. Yes, and let's look here at Second Peter chapter three. 
verse 18. I'm now I'm going to talk to you about laying on a hand specifically, but I want to make reference to this scripture. But grow in grace or ability. Grow in ability. I like ability a lot better than the word grace. I've looked, and it's not just God's unmerited favor. That's a, that's a cute verb, a cute uh, definition, but that's so low-key compared to what the word of grace really means. And I've studied it for 50 years. I ought to know a little bit about it. That it's ability of God. You, listen, what I'm saying to you, grow in God's ability in your life and specifically in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does he have for you? Like Miss Sherry said, I've taught this many years ago, 30 years, 40, I don't know. I've learned bit by bit. So what I'm going to tell you about this and read something to you. Grow in grace, grow in God's ability and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're not just going to know about him, you're going to know him. This is why people fail. They know about him, but they don't know him. I asked God recently, how can I continue to have longevity in my life, Lord? You still talk like that? I sure do. What's wrong with you? Why would you think I wouldn't think like that? You'd be smart to pay attention. And he said, well, reverence for me and obedience to me. If you'll just continue to walk in that and deepen that with me, my reverence for him. And my obedience to do what he told me to do. I don't mean just come to church. That's a small place. Even if, you, even if we had three or four services a week, that'd still just be 10 hours and 168 hours in a week. What are you doing for the 158 hours? You've got to obey what God's saying. So this, I'm saying that because I want to teach you for a minute how I learned about healing. So that's why I brought that scripture up. Somehow when I first got saved, I inwardly knew God could and wanted to do certain things, but then I didn't know how to cooperate with him. I was a drug addict, a drug dealer, carried a gun. I was a wild person. Not bragging about that. I'm ashamed of that. But nonetheless, that was just me. That was Michael. You know what I'm saying? All right. And I knew if he could deliver me from drug addiction without rehab... And if you got it through rehab, praise God for rehab. I'm not knocking that, but God's got a stronger way than we've ever dreamed. And since he delivered me and all a lot of my other goofball stuff I thought about back then and did back then, I won't go to take you through the dirt. But you talk about having, uh, you know, issues. I had one of those big brass carts like at a fancy hotel. And they were all hooked together. And I, that was my baggage behind me. I was dragging it. It's about everything. I was hooked on everything but phonics, as Joe says. <laughs> and none of it was good for me. Some of you need to get addicted to your Bibles and not just show up here on Sunday. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I doubt there's very many of you prayed for 30 minutes before you came today. Just for this service. Not for me. Just pray for the service. It's not about who's up here. It's just about the service you're going to, to be fed and get learn something and grow and not let your mind be possessed by 13 other things you're thinking about while I'm talking. All right. Let's go to Hosea 4 real quick. I'm going to have to run this kind of quick because I promised myself I wasn't going to preach a long time. Hosea 4, verse 6. I'm going to quote it, but if you want the reference, Hosea 4, 6. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You're not destroyed because the devil's so bad. You're not destroyed because the devil's so powerful. You're only destroyed because you don't know anything. 
or whatever you know, if you can't conquer it, then you don't know enough yet. And if it's terminal, that's a, that's a problem. Or making bad decisions is a problem. Sinking you deeper into darkness. But listen, this says, so if I have good knowledge of him, I don't have to be destroyed. And God's not the destroyer. He's not talking about God doing that. That's the devil. But you give him an inroad because you don't know enough sometimes. Or you've learned some things and then we went on to something else and you quit doing what we taught you three years ago. I'm not teaching anybody anything just for fluff. You ought to know me well enough by that. I mean, I don't want to play with it. I'd just be at home watching Christian TV or listening to Dr. Dufresne if I was going to do that. But I'm trying to teach people things that will make you live. But you've got to stay with it. It can't be a hit and miss. <laughs> Your confession is what you say every single day. And furthermore, it's what you think about every single day. Well, you're challenging me. Well, good. You need to be challenged. And if I can challenge you, that means you get, you're needing it. Not mad at anybody trying to help you. This is what I had to deal with when I first got saved. I knew God was big enough to do some things, but I didn't know how, enough knowledge how to cooperate with him. You know, if you don't cooperate with him, what I mean is cooperate with his word. He gives you everything you need to know in here. He don't give it to you just because you go to a church. He don't give it to you just because you have a pastor. He don't give it to you just because you read a book about something. Now, if the book's full of revelation that comes from God, rightly divided, light will flow to you, understanding will flow to you, and faith will come to you. But if that's not the case, then you're just going to wander around on this planet until you go home. And going home would be good in heaven, but mine, I mean, God had plans for all of us to do something. Okay, so my church, looking back on this, I was saved in a Baptist church. I thank God for the Baptists. They'll get a mosquito saved and they can still hold him still for a minute. <laughs> Not really. I love the Baptists and I love all denominations, but all denominations are wrong and all denominations are right in some area. Just depends on what flavor they got on it. But what I'm saying is they would say stupid stuff like, well, God is in control. When I'd ask questions about why is this this way, why is the earth this way, and why is countries doing it, why are people starving to death, and nobody could answer me intelligently. And I thought, man, God, you got this in a mess. I don't know if I want to serve you or not. If you're in control, well, actually, God is not in control. He hasn't been in control since Adam. When he says something, he he stays with what he says. You know, I've thought this too, and others have preached it, but I myself, I thought, why don't you just put a zipper around this old planet after Adam did that, just fling it into outer space and start make a new planet? Well, he couldn't do that. The planet wasn't his anymore. He gave that to Adam. He don't violate things like that. You know, I've had people tell me all kinds of things, 45 years now, 50 years saved this coming December. 44, 44 years in the ministry. Now by August, it'll be 45th year in the ministry. People told me all kinds of things. For the most part, they all lied, just about. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Well, I didn't ask them to do anything, but they shut their mouth off and then they never came through. It kind of gave me a bad taste in my mouth for humanity to try to trust people after they lie, you know, repeatedly. I'm just talking to you. So they said, God is in control. I finally figured out he's not. I'm in control. You're in control. If you want to be. 
with knowledge, God's knowledge. We're not a bully, but we just don't permit the devil to just jump and run in and do whatever he thinks he wants to do with us. Some of us, like myself and many of you, you wouldn't put up a fight. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to the church, and then they said this stupid thing. You never know what God's going to do. But what are you going to do with Ephesians 5, 17, 16, and 17? It says, we could understand what the will of the Lord is. You have to rip that out of your Bible. And the time we got through with the you know, natural man's thinking and national rationale of people in theology, oh my gosh, you'd have to tear out the whole New Testament. Because that's the way people think. They don't think right. So my church was of no help in this area. When I got saved, I got delivered, I got saved. Nobody prayed over me. I just said, Jesus, come into my heart. And he started working on me. And then I got a Bible and started reading it. And lo and behold, I started believing it. And nobody at church was asking me to do that much. They were just, you know, I call it gospel light. You know, like Bud Light. The church I went to was gospel light. No healing lines, no deliverance lines. Never, never taught you you could have anything. You're just going to be poor and broke. You think about it, God gave the whole planet to Adam. He wasn't thinking broke. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to get back on my message here. All right. The clock that's running is the one time I'm on, right? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Checking again. So the church was of no help in this area. And then we had a little Bible study group, my wife and I. We got to our church. We saved. I was, a, I was a real drug addict. She was a play with it drug person, not an addict at all. Yeah, she was smarter than me. She always says she did dope. She's a gospel light, too, you know, back then. Drug light. Anyway. You were smarter than me. You still are, baby. You still are, honey. So the church didn't seem to help us. And we, we got in church, and pretty soon we didn't have any friends that we ran with. My friends were all drug dealers and bikers and dancers at go-go places. And I won't say any more than that, but it's just a pretty raw way I was living. And so it ended up just me and her. We'd go to our parents' They were saved, you know, not this level of salvation that we understand and embrace for many years, but, you know, but uh, they were saved, but, you know, it got old. You know, they, they were of a different culture, and they were older than us and different things like that. So I went to the pastor, and I said, you know, Pastor Diane and I, we'd like to have some younger people in this church, and he just looked at me, and he was a Baptist pastor, why don't you believe, Michael, you and Diana praying, believe for some young people. Smart guy. Smart guy. And so we started praying, and within three months, we had eight couples in the church, our age. So, we start, so then I went back to the pastor after I got to know them, the couples, me and her. We'd take them to dinner one night or to lunch on Sunday, and you talk to them. And some of them came out of all diverse backgrounds than us. They weren't just like me. You know, some of them were, but not all of them. But we began to enjoy the fellowship. So I went to the pastor and said, we'd like to have a Bible study maybe every two weeks or once a month at one of our homes. We don't want to violate anything. See, even just being an ex-drug addict, I was smart enough to ask my pastor before I just jumped into something. Uh, would you have a problem with that if we did that in the homes? And still go to church here, but 
maybe have a Friday night and have some food and pray and have some teaching? No, I think it'd be great. So we went, one of the couples, Don and Janine, Don got Hodgkin's disease. He was in the military there at Wright-Patterson. That's where I grew up, right by Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. That's how I met her. Her dad was the head of the materials lab there at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in the 60s and 70s. Anyway, Don, he started going for treatments with chemo. And the next time we met, he didn't look too good. And I said to him, uh, Don, what's, what's happening with you? I know you told me you had Hodgkin's disease. What did they do? They, well, they shoot me full of drugs. And I said, is that very rough on you? He said, well, I said, just shoot straight. There was all of us in the Bible study. He said, the last time I did that, I vomited 53 times. I said, I'm gonna, we're going to stop that right now. Now, where'd that come from? I, and I had no teaching in stopping anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? They didn't teach you to stop anything. Amen. They told you to repent every week for going out and doing what you shouldn't have done. But they didn't teach you you could stop it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll catch up with me sometime in this message. I hope you do. My God, you need to stop things. If they're bugging you, stop them. And that just, I thought back on that, just came out of my spirit. My wife was in, I said, I'm going to lay hands on you. Mike, there's another guy that knew a little more, knew something, he and I out of that group. Let's lay hands on him. I didn't know about laying on hands, laid hands on him, prayed for him. I said, give us a calendar of the dates you have those chemo treatments. And he came back with a piece of paper and we made duplicates and we all took them. We said, you'll not get sick again. That's our belief, our faith. And he never did. And they, they said he was in remission or something. He was healed. You know, we would say healed. This is the kind of church it was. The pastor asked Don to say something to the church, and he said he was healed of Hodgkin's disease. And an older elder in that church nudged me and said, he shouldn't have said that. He may die next week. And I wanted to slap that guy in the face. I wasn't too removed from the streets yet. He's lucky he didn't have the pew behind me. Bam, bam, what's the matter with you? You don't believe nothing, do you? But anyway, that was my first experience. And then, of course, I got called into ministry, went to seminary, and they weren't any help either. There was not one message ever taught, ever explained, ever even alluded to in two years of seminary that talked about healing. Didn't talk about the gifts of the Spirit either. Didn't talk about angels either. <laughs> the things that I consider the most vital to us today. <laughs> and they didn't talk about demons either. They must have thought all of them were dead. You know, demons, don't, that, demons live forever. You know, that's what hell is. It's an international penitentiary for a spirit that's out of control. Because if you let them loose, they'll tear up everything. Now, right now, they're not all bound. There is a certain section in, in hell that some of them are there. But the rest of them are loosed on the earth. That's what problems arise from, at least in part. So I saw this stuff wrong on planet. And then, you know, I showed you about Dawn. But I, I went back in my mind. This is a little teaching I do, just a little bit. I'm going to teach something from the Bible in just a minute. Oh, we are touching the Bible, you know. So um, I went back in my mind when I was about 9 or 10 years old. My mother took me to J.C. Penney to buy some school clothes. And my family was very uh, meagerly funded. My dad worked hard. He was a baker, but he didn't make a lot of money. And there was three other kids plus myself. So my mom, she was took me in Pacey's Penny. She said, you can have two pair of pants, one pair of shoes, two shirts. And that's all I can do. You know, we told you this two years ago. If you want to do other, you're going to have to earn it. So I'd mow grass, shovel snow, work down at the 
a grocery store like J.C. or Kroger in the produce department. And I'd earn money and I'd have money. But anyway, when we came out of that J.C. Penny, it was a little cripple boy in a wheelchair there selling candy bars. I'm talking about my life. I'm talking about how I learned about healing. And that disturbed me. I can't tell you. It marked me. And I walked on past him and walked to the car with my mother. I was about 10 years old. Now, I was already healed at that time. By 10 years old, I got healed when I was five of rickets where I wore braces like Forrest Gump. I've got them at home. Many of you have seen them. I brought them and showed them to you. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying my mother prayed, God, if you'll heal my boy. And my mother had, see, God was on the move. 47 through 56 or 7 in the United States, there was a healing move on. And if you just look towards God about healing, he would heal you. My mother didn't have any teaching. She grew up in a Baptist church all her life until she went to heaven. And she was a Baptist. And there was no teaching on healing. But she said, if you'll heal my boy, I'll raise him in the church. And, of course, Dr. Barney, he was, my, he was Barney's children's hospital. He was the lead doctor. He said, there's nothing I can do for your boy. He's just too far gone. They're just gonna, his legs are going to deteriorate as he gets older. And my mother told me the story. She came home, fell up against the refrigerator and said, God, I repent. She said to me, Michael, I was backslidden. You don't ask somebody what they're backslidden back about if that's your mother. I have no idea what that meant. I just knew what it meant. She wasn't right with God at that moment. She said, I said, God, if you'll heal my boy, I'll raise him in the church. And, you know, uh, and then I had an experience with an angel that appeared to me in Springfield, Ohio. I've told that story out the window, my bedroom window. And within about four months later, I went to see the doctor, and he took the braces off and said, we don't understand this. Michael's healed. We didn't do it. And so she made sure I went to church from 5 to 15. Then I got rebellious. But anyway, so what I'm saying is, I go back to the J.C. Penney's. I said to my mother, I said, is there nothing we could do for this young guy? Now, I'd already healed, but she didn't know anything about that. She just... I say on a fluke, used her faith. See, if you just reach towards God, even if you don't know him real well about healing, and she didn't, God just moved in my life, supernaturally. And so, I said, so it seems like we should be able to do something to this guy. Help him, and, my, and I started crying in the car. I was 10 year old. It just moved me. Things ought to move you sometimes. If they're not right, I'll move you to figure out how to help. So many years later, I'm thinking of two incidents here. The, in, a lady in Colima, Mexico, I was with Mike Rabel preaching down there a while back, and they brought her in in a chair and set her down. She didn't have money for a wheelchair. They just brought her in a lawn chair and set her down in the meeting. And I preached on something to do with healing, and I went over and laid hands on her, and she got right out of that wheelchair, I mean, out of that lawn chair, and what I said to the, deacon, uh, the ushers, walk her around a couple of times, let her get her balance, let her get her legs moving. And then I saw a guy carrying a chair walking her home. <laughs> then I was with Dr. Dufresne in Mexico. I think, I don't remember the name of the city, but he called me up to minister to a guy in a wheelchair. And uh, I, I ministered to him and he got up out of that wheelchair. He's pretty shaky. And Dr. Dufresne said, who's this guy belong to? And a lady ran down. <laughs> he said, who is that? That's my husband. How long has he been in that chair? Eight years. He hadn't moved a peg. And there he was, walking up and down. Of course, he got broke out in a sweat. When you haven't used your legs for eight years, and all of a sudden you're exercising all that, you, it's, it's, it's taxing on your body. But I remembered that. It only took me, you know, 
had other miracles and stuff, but, you know, I just kept believing. That's what I wanted to say. I think this is good. I'm excited. Not going to take you too long, but I want to, I want to say, give you one thing, and then let's turn to, let's just go ahead and turn to Hebrews 6. And we're going to talk about laying on the hands for a few minutes. But this is a prophecy from Brother Kenneth E. Hagin. How many of you know who Kenneth E. Hagin is? Okay, put your hands down. How many don't know who Kenneth E. Hagin is? One, two. Okay. I'm not sure. That's pretty good. See, you know, when men, generals of the faith, I call them, he was not my spiritual father. He was my spiritual grandfather because he was Dr. Dufresne's spiritual father. And Lester Summerall was Dr. Dufresne's pastor. You know, and that could be that way. You just have to work out your own salvation. Don't get complicated in your brain about that. But the point I'm making, he, he was a general in the faith, uh, Dr. Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen. And this was a prophecy from, uh, let me find the reference, 83. He talks about deliverance in the first part of it, but the second part says, uh, secondly, saith the Spirit of God, you have not seen the revival of divine he healing you're about to see. And he said, I tried to use some guys and anointed them, but many looked at them and lifted them up. They never look at the person, just look to Jesus. You know, if you couldn't get something from me, you wouldn't get anything from Jesus. You know, Jesus was a man too. I don't know if he wore suits and stuff, probably not a robe, but you wouldn't have got anything from him either. You have to believe that's why Jesus went about doing what? See if you catch this. Preaching. Teaching. Preaching and healing in that order normally. But anyway, Brother Hagin says this. Many looked at them and lifted them up, and some of them were lifted up in pride, and the anointing lifted them, lift, left them, and some became money-minded and lost the anointing. But then he says this. There will arise a group in this day that's a brand-new breed. And I'm saying this because I think some of you are in this. Maybe not all of you, but I think some of you can, if you listen to me, and you'll get around the right people to mentor you a little bit. They'll not be greedy of filthy lucre. They won't lust for money. When you start loving money, you might as well pack it in, baby. You're just a joke. You've got to do what God tells you to do, whether you have money or not. It takes money to do it, and it'll come if you'll do it. But it's not like you're going to get rich by next Tuesday. How many are listening? He said, they'll not be greedy and they'll not be wanting to attract attention to themselves. They will care less whether God uses them. They'd rather God use you. And God will not just use ministers. Here's where I was going. He'll use laymen. You know, when I started, I didn't know all that I talk about that I know now and I'm more established in. I'm, I'm just watering this down for all of us to understand what I'm saying. I could take an hour on every statement almost. And I'm not bragging, I'm just saying there's a lot in me over 50 years now. But uh, he'll use layman. I just started out laying hands on Don, and Don, Don that had Hodgkin's disease. I was just a believer in a Baptist church. And I didn't ask my pastor if I could do it before or after. Right. I just, compassion rose up in me for Don. He was my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what if it didn't work? Well, let's not say what if it didn't, it did. I just told you that. And all of us were young, immature believers. Even me and Michael, the other Michael in that group. We had more knowledge than the rest of them, but we, even us, we weren't very hot rods. Just young people trying to figure it out and help our brother. Yeah, there was no, no tangible anointing on me for years and years. I just laid hands on people. I didn't know anybody felt anything. I didn't feel anything. 
Now, later in life, God, if you're faithful, God will maybe ramp you up or maybe not. What would make a difference if you're a layman the rest of your life, but people get healed around you? Wouldn't that be sufficient that you've done your part to help humanity instead of dragging them up to me all the time? I'm just talking that really all of us need to rise up in our potential. That don't make you a prophet just because you prayed for somebody and they got healed. Don't make you a hot rod. It just means you loved them and you had faith in God's healing power to minister to them. All right. But anyway, I was going to repeat this one line he says here. And there will be a revival of divine healing such as you have not seen in your lifetime or read about. And I've read some wild stuff. You know about Azusa Street? Yeah. Yeah. The kids were getting people growing arms out, putting eyes in people that didn't have an eye, blind, no eye in that one socket. And the kids would pray for them and they'd get a new eye or a new liver or a new intestine or a new heart. These are 9, 10, 11 year old. I got the book about it. The guy that was in that and he wrote down what they saw. But he said, there will be a revival of divine healing you haven't seen in your lifetime or read about or heard about, saith the Lord. That is just powerful, powerful, powerful. Okay. Now, we're in Hebrews 6, aren't we? Let's go over here. Just a few more verses. Hebrews 6, verse 1, 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Really, the word, word there is maturity. Let us go on to be more mature not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, there's faith, and of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands. This is the one I'm looking at with you, of the laying on of hands. And he said that was a doctrine of Christ. You know, people act like we don't believe in that. How could you not believe in that? It's part of the gospel. And I've heard people say, well, we don't preach healing in our church. We just preach the gospel. Uh, friend, you, you don't even know what the gospel is yet. The gospel means, it, it really, the word salvation in the New Testament means healing, soundness, deliverance, spirit, soul, and body. So that's what the word salvation means. See, but they, they don't understand that. You know, I think it's Acts 14, we don't need to turn there, but Paul and somebody went down and preached the gospel at Lydda, and there was a man... Uh, you know, hadn't walked. And they, they preached to him. He said, Paul perceived he had faith to be healed. You, you'd have to perceive that in people because looking at them, you'd think they don't have anything sometimes. And you just, you, so I'm not making fun of people. I'm making, you have to be perceptive and discerning. <laughs> and so, and you know, somebody could reject you. I mean, you know, you could say you have four wheelchair people and what I've just preached Get, get up and walk, number one. And they get up. Number two gets up. Number three says, I don't believe it. Well, then you're not going to get it. Number four, get up. And the third one got pushed out in the chair just like they came in. See, so you, you have to have faith on your side to receive. I'm trying to get this over to you. <laughs> we have to have faith in people ministering. So this laying on of hands is a doctrine. There's much to it. I'm reducing it down to as small a level as I can to talk about it. And i got to hurry on. Let's go back to Matthew. Uh, Matthew, uh, let's see, Matthew 9. Hallelujah. Okay. 
Hey, can you get me the Amplified Bible up back there in that, those verses? Uh, Matthew 9, 27 through 30, please. And we're just going to look at a few more verses quickly. It's 34 minutes, not even 35 minutes yet. Then I was going to pray for some people. Jesus passed on from, from there. Two blind men followed him shouting loudly, have, him pity and, have pity and mercy on us, son of David. In other words, and when they reached the house and went in, the blind men came to Jesus and said, to, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said unto him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, because I'm anointed and I'm powerful and I'm the Messiah. None of that came out of me. According to your faith and trust and reliance. Now look at this. That's why I produced the Amplified. I was reading in that this week. According to your faith and trust and reliance on the power invested in me, be it done to you. Hallelujah. If you could take it just on that basis, what I'm saying is Jesus said, they, uh, let's go back, where were we? Yeah, there. Said, according to your faith and trust and reliance on the power invested in me, be it done to you. You know, I had a pain in my side for 14 years one time. Don't tell me I don't understand sickness. I had a blood disease one time. I had hepatitis, the bad one, one time. But Dr. Dufresne just spoke to me at luncheon one day, just me and him having lunch. And I, I was giving him an envelope uh, because I said, you don't know anything about this, Dad, I'm sure. But I, I what do you say? Pledge. Pledge, thank you. Some money to bless you for your special project last year. And I didn't have any money to do it, but I wrote a note. And this is that. I'm sure he didn't know anything about it. And he set his fork down and he said, Michael, that pain in your side is going to leave you. And the $20,000 you're in debt medically because you wouldn't lie to the insurance people, which I wouldn't. He said, that's going to get paid. And within what? Eight weeks it got paid? Six weeks. And we didn't tell anybody we were going to, that was going to happen. We didn't come to you and say, hey, we're, help us. Oh, my, we're going under. And God just sent us $20,000. That ought to wake you up. You know, I'm saying use this on other things too. And that pain in my side, it was about another nine months. And it got up one day and it went boop. They didn't make that sound boop. But I just used that to illustration. It got up and went boop, took off. And hadn't been back. And I had it for 14 years. And I went to Methodist Hospital and they put things, I had to drink things and put things up me and they put me on a table naked, you know, looking for stuff inside me. I mean, it's embarrassing what you have to go through sometimes. And I went to City of Faith when it was operative. And they checked me out and they couldn't find anything. I said, well, just get me up on the table and cut me open and look around in there. Could you do that? No. Okay. I give the City of Faith credit. They didn't charge me a dime. They knew I was a preacher. And they said, if you can get out here, we'll not pay your way out. But if you can get out here, we'll treat you for nothing. How many are listening? But this, my man of God... Spoke words out of his mouth, eating a salad one day at a restaurant. And all that money came in within six weeks. And within a year, about 10 months later, I just got up one day and that pain left me. I mean, I felt like I had a javelin. Somebody stuck it through my front, coming out my back. I mean, that's painful. I didn't sleep for days on end during that 14 years sometimes. Got cranky too. I know she'd say yeah to that, but. It wasn't funny. 
But somehow I began to believe in my man of God. I had faith and trust and reliance on the power invested in him that what he had said would be done. Hallelujah. You listening to me? Yeah. According to your faith and reliance and trust. Now let's go over here to Matthew 10. Also amplified, please. If you could do it, verse 40. Just verse 40 would probably do it, I think, for us, if you could bring that up in the Amplified. Is this okay? I'm trying not to go too long. It's 11.39, 38 minutes. 39. He who, now watch this. He who receives and welcomes and accepts you, and in this case I'm putting me there. Because what I'm trying to do to you, I didn't go to this scripture. It's in Romans eleven thirteen. What does it say there? Does anybody know what that says? I think I'm going to take you over there and show you what it says. Keep that scripture up there because we're coming right back to it. Romans eleven thirteen. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office. So I'm magnifying my office to you today. Not bragging on it. If I didn't have it, I'd just shut up. Because, you know, I went through a lot of things being a prophet already. (laughs) Just because that goes with that territory sometimes. But the anointing on me has ramped up. I'm not magnifying myself as much as I'm magnifying the anointing and the office I'm walking in. If you can catch that, it'd help you a lot. I don't think Jesus was bragging when he said, according to your faith, be it unto you then. Are you listening? So we're back on this here. It says, he who receives and welcomes and accepts you, receives and welcomes and accepts me. That'd be Jesus. And he who receives and welcomes and accepts me, Jesus receives and welcomes and accepts him who sent me, which would be God. When we're talking about laying on a hand, this is, i just make a little note here for you to think about. He'd have to use somebody. Because yes. yeah. dogs don't have hands, they have paws. Yes. So I'm just trying to help us to see something here. Not bragging about me. I couldn't heal you without the anointing, but that's not the point. I am anointed to minister to you. Yes. Healing. All right. Now let's go, let's go over here to Romans chapter 1. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I'm excited about this. I, I was going to read you some of my prophecies, but I've about ran out of time. If I might, we'll see here how it goes. But it says in Romans 1, verse 11 and 12, and I wrote a book on this scripture, these two scriptures here about impartations. I haven't got a long time to get into it with you, but at least I want you to see something here as I'm closing. I long to see you, Romans 1.11. Now that's the voice of somebody that's compassionate that cares about you. I long to see you. You know, and especially in my ministry, there's nothing glamorous about sleeping in a new hotel room. Some of the places I go, they treat me better because they can afford to treat me better, and I didn't demand it. You got to put me in this or I'm not coming. You got to give me this much money or I'm not. I've never done that, nor will I ever do that. I've been in this 44 years. 
This is my second bout with traveling ministry. I was in traveling ministry back in the 80s for three years. But what I'm trying to say is I long to see you. See, there's something in real men and women of God. They long to get around other people that they could impart to, that they love, that they want to help bring up higher. Or maybe we can say it a different way. Whatever is in me, I say it this way, maybe you can understand it. The anointing that's in my life doesn't work for me. It's for you. And if you don't ever get that, you won't ever get anything from me. You might get something from somebody else that comes here to minister. Because you, you maybe think they're all that in a bag of chips or whatever. And that's fine with me. But I'm just trying to show you some intelligent teaching. I long to see you that I might impart. And what that means in the Greek is I might impart out of my gift. It says here, I might impart to you some spiritual gift. The word gift in the Greek means a spiritual endowment. A miraculous faculty. A deliverance or a rescue. I remember when my daughter had a brain tumor, about as big as a hardball, and uh, she went to my eye doctor, and they had a special guy in that group, and he saw her and, and looked at her, and he said, uh, you need, and called her at lunch, I was with her, and the boys, I was with them, and my wife was there, said, you need to get your husband to Jessica and come to the office immediately. And she said that the doctor there was almost in panic to tell him what he found. He said, you have a tumor and it's about as big as a baseball and we want you to go right now to this neurosurgeon in Louisville and he's going to see you. That's pretty important. He went on a Friday night, called me back about six or seven at night, left at noon from lunch and said, Dad, I got the tumor in my brain and they want to do surgery Monday morning. I said, well, honey, we're going to get on the other side of this. Not like... Pastor Miss Sherry said, I didn't have to figure, what am I going to say? Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> I've been saying I'm getting on the other side of stuff for 30 years. Right. And don't matter what it is. Yes. You can learn to talk right. And you'll believe it eventually. Yes. If you say it enough, you can believe it. Yes. I love what Oral Roberts says. What are you going to do, Oral Roberts? Anybody know who he was? Yes. He brought divine healing to America and around the world like probably nobody else in his generation. He did. And you know, the pastors hated him, the full gospel, because he said, God is good and something good is going to happen to you. Yes. And Brother Hagin traveled in that time to all different churches and said, why would you want him to say something terrible is going to happen? <laughs> and the pastor said, well, he's misrepresenting God. And you know, I just would want to slug that guy and say, what's the matter with your brain? Have you read the Bible, preacher? Yes. Something's the matter with your brain. So I said, well, we're going to get on another side of this. Notice they didn't send her to a foot doctor. She sent her to a doctor, I'm putting it in a natural, that had an endowment for success in brain surgery, <laughs> which is very tedious and very specific. I'm not pretending to be a doctor, but they told us, you know, she might not be normal when she comes back from the surgery if she makes it through the surgery. Uh, because there's blood vessels and stuff go through that tumor and you've got to separate all that out and work it the best way you can and so forth. And she may not be able to talk. She may not be able to use the bathroom correctly. You know, just all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was just, and I don't even know all the things they told to her and Jacob. But she was having double vision and the doctor came out or the nurse did and said, 
She said she wants to see her husband and her dad. So we walked back. She said, hey, Dad, I just see one of you. Hey, <laughs> right out of surgery. We're, yes. You know, see, we believe God. Huh? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then, you know, it wasn't too long after that, doctor. Uh, well, maybe a year, I don't remember. The, he, she had to have a scan again, and, and the film was sent to this doctor that's a brain surgeon. He's well-known. And he said, I don't like that, what I see in there. There's some debris of some sort. You know, having debris in your brain where it's not supposed to be is a bad thing. So, you know, we just believe God. And Dr. Dufresne was coming to our church, and uh, we didn't tell him about her. I mean, we did tell him about her when she had the surgery, and he called and traded with her on the, in the bedroom that she was in right before they took her to surgery because I couldn't get a hold of him that weekend, but he finally reached me. I said, well, maybe you could talk to my daughter. And so he was so sweet. But when he came, he helped her off the stage then. She was up singing. This was a while after that was revealed there was some kind of debris in there that shouldn't be. And he, he, and he laid hands on her, and she fell out. But before he did, he put his finger, he didn't know where she was cut because her hair had all grown back, right over that scar, ran his finger over that. And then when she was laying there, later she told mom and I, was there anybody at my head? No. She said, well, somebody was fooling with my head. And we realized there's an angel. And when she got back to the doctor, the next time they took, refilmed it, you know, there's nothing there. Is that accurate? So sometimes you use God, I mean, use his power to help what you can, and then use doctors, and then an angel came and helped her further. Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, I'm still in Romans here. I'm about done. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Let me give you a definition of gift again. A spiritual endowment, a miraculous faculty, a deliverance, or a rescue. He says uh, that to the end or resulting in you being established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So I have faith to release what I have, and you'll have faith to, to, to receive it. Are you listening to me? Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.